Hour two of the game on a Thursday afternoon, Coverdale in. Mitch will be back with us next week as our on-again, off-again stretch continues a little bit. But such is, well, getting into baseball season for one. Wildcat Insider comes your way up Wednesday afternoon. Tomorrow we're off because of K-State baseball as the Cats match up with number one LSU in a 2 o'clock tilt, 1.30 coverage tomorrow here on News Radio KMAN. No high school basketball tomorrow night. Nothing on the docket locally because uh, substates get underway next week. There are some 1A substate games tonight, one specifically uh, on the girls' bracket in Division One, and that is Blue Valley Randolph playing at Frankfurt tonight. The Rams boys will be at home tomorrow night against Washington County. Frankfurt will be at uh, on the road tomorrow night as well. Go Rams. <laughs> Somehow I knew that was coming. Anyway, uh, speaking of preps, just to note, uh, this weekend is also state wrestling. The girls tournament wrapping up today. Manhattan's Sage Rosario finished off a perfect 35-0 season at 155 pounds. Every single match she wrestled at state over the last two days ended with a pin. She pinned her opponent in each one. Only one of the matches went longer than 90 seconds. Dominating. Season for Sage Rosario of Manhattan High. Uh, Elena Slifer of Manhattan fell in the uh, second round of consolations earlier today at 135 pounds. For Rock Creek at the 4A 1A tournament in Salina, Amanda Yeager of Colby won by a major decision over Brooke Bernheide of Rock Creek. She finishes the year at 28 and 2 does Brooklyn Bernheide at 130 pounds. So congratulations to her on a stellar year as well. Uh, Joey Perkins of Rock Creek fell in a consolation round two match earlier today at 100 pounds. And that gets you caught up to date on the uh, local wrestlers that participated in the girls' state tournament. A total of 11 wrestlers on the uh, mats tomorrow from around the region participating in the various uh, state-level matches. Annie Rogers, writing for MLB.com. In a 2-2 count against Nicky Lopez during live batting practice on Tuesday, Brad Keller dropped in a curveball. Someone just probably just hit the brakes hard hearing that one. Because... Brad Keller doesn't throw a curveball. Oh, I'm sorry. Brad Keller didn't throw a curveball. You know why he didn't? His pitching coach <clears throat> was telling him not to a year ago and beyond. Cal Eldred no longer the Royals pitching coach, and there are continue to be the questions as to just what the heck was going on in his mind. Keller described his offseason as getting out of my comfort zone. It led to him bringing a new and improved curveball into camp. 
5.24 ERA among pitchers who threw 200-plus innings in that time. It was the seventh highest. He's back in the rotation. Expected to be a contributor. Of course, that will come at the point that, oh, gee, contract year. Free agency looms next year. for So, of course, he's going to be successful now, right? That's the way the Royals do it. <clears throat> Keller has thrown a curveball before, but not in games. He made it a focus this offseason to give him speed differential between a mid-90s fastball, his sinker, and his slider. It all started with a conversation with representatives from Driveline Baseball. Folks, if you're not familiar with Driveline and what they're doing in terms of working with pitchers, find out who they are. They are amazing. Data-driven, and they do stellar work. They reached out to Keller. They reached out to him, expressing their interest in training him and helping. Brian Sweeney, the new Royals pitching coach, supported the idea. You know who wasn't supportive of utilizing driveline? Cal Eldred. You know who wasn't supportive of using driveline? Dayton Moore. You know who wasn't supportive of using driveline in the past? Mike Matheny. You know why the Royals pitching staff has sucked for so many years? No interest in working with driveline or any other analytics. I remember just before the end of the season last year, and we talked about it on this program, The Athletic had an article that laid out the woes from top to bottom with the Royals pitching. Top to bottom, not just in the majors, but all the way through their minor league system. And the mistakes that they were making in trying to make everybody fit a one-size-fits-all fit all training setup with little to no analytics, little to no video assistance, and in fact, areas where franchises work to sync the data with the video? No, the Royals were essentially leaving their guys to have to try to come up with all that information on their own and couple it together themselves. The Royals were setting back their pitchers by not utilizing some of the biggest current popular aids in teaching. 
and couldn't understand why their pitching staff sucked. Why aren't we getting results? Cal Eldred's a major league guy. It reiterates that Cal Eldred got the job because he was a buddy of Mike Matheny's. I'm going to qualify this. I say it as someone who loved Cal Eldred as a Major League Baseball pitcher. Granted, I say that because I saw Cal Eldred as a Minor League Baseball pitcher. It's an emotional tie for me, okay? I still have the Denver Zephyrs 1993 cap that I purchased at Mile High Stadium. I should say 92. 93 was the first year of the Rockies. 92. See, at the time, the Zephyrs were the Brewers' AAA farm team. So I have the green cap, the blue bill, the blue Z on the front of it. It has seen better days. It has been with me for every move since 1992. And yes, I saw him pitch at Mile High Stadium. Speaking of which, that was an adventure of a baseball park. (laughs) Any good concerts there? Yes. Damn Yankees, REO Speedwagon. Check that. Yes, REO Speedwagon, Damn Yankees, uh, King's X. Oh, okay. uh, And a bunch of supporting acts beyond that. I think all told it was seven that day that they had in there. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And one of the ultra competitive things that took place, that, that was at a point where... Radio ownership was limited to two stations in a market. So there was a pretty good rock fight going on between three stations in the market. And the company I was interning for was one of them. They also happened to have some inside connections at the stadium because the AM is the voice of the Broncos and has been for 50 years. So the sponsoring stations got ambushed by the morning show hosts from the company I was interning with on the FM, the classic rocker. Yeah, the morning show hosts somehow got a hold of the PA system and congratulated the competition on learning how to rock from them. (laughs) and then out of a suite up top here came the banners (laughs) what was on the banners Uh, it was just station logo stuff yeah yeah they kept that clean (laughs) this was the same radio station though that did a whole to do when the pope was visiting a few years down the line 94 i think it was where they had him with a walkman and his cossack red the had the logo on it Across his chest, welcoming the Pope to Denver. Yeah. I bet that was kind of crazy. Yeah, that didn't go over very well. Really? And it wasn't too very long after that 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 operations manager was out of a job. Ah. 
the the politics of it got him. Anyway, so I like Cal Eldred. As a person, I've liked Cal Eldred. As a pitching coach, he's been a disaster. Thank God we get a new start this year. But what it tells you is that there is going to be an entirely different approach this year. I'm here for it. Even if it means that, yes, Brad Keller walks at the end of this year to free agency after a much improved year, fine. It's what's going to be changing in the minor league system that is going to be even more important. Keller's comments on driveline. Driveline taught me a lot of stuff. Taught me feel, taught me cues, taught me grips. The whole motion capture to see some mechanical deficiencies. I got a ton out of it. That's the stuff the Royals weren't letting their players see. That's the stuff that they actively worked against letting their players see. It's unfathomable that you have that mentality in baseball this day and age. Yes, analytics can be overdone. Even without the analytics, the video piece is important. The video piece is dramatic. Having outside eyes looking at these guys is almost imperative. You may not like that it is someone outside of your system who is looking at this and telling your players, hey, this is an idea. But that's not how it operates anymore. This is just... I, I, I wrote it down earlier today, very simply. What the was Cal Eldred's M.O.? What was Dayton Moore's M.O.? What was the mindset that kept them from utilizing tools that have proven themselves to be beneficial to the players that you're paying millions of dollars to. The players don't want to go out and be embarrassed. The players want to be able to put forth their best effort. The players want to be competitive. And you took away opportunities for them to do just that. That is horrendous. The Royals have nearly lost an entire generation of minor league pitchers to bad management. I can't even. 
And I know sometimes you have to tear it down to the studs to get to build it right back. That's fine. That's where we're at. God, I hope it helps. But it is absolutely inexplicable that you don't utilize help that's being offered, ideas that are being offered, because you just don't want outside influence on your guys. That's awful management. That is just bad management. This isn't the 90s. You don't know it all. I I swear, old baseball types can be some of the most stubborn And the worst is that they hold management roles. It's the pastime. America's pastime. Listen, I love baseball. (laughs) Baseball retains its spot in my heart as the pastime. I know it's not anymore. Football, football, football. But it holds its place in my heart as the pastime. But I also recognize, and, and I commenting with someone on the, the rule changes this year and how we've seen other things change in Major League Baseball of late, including, and, and the one that got mentioned specifically in the conversation was that you are now limited in the number of pitching changes that you're allowed to make. You can't change a pitcher every batter. You have to bring them on for three outs or for three hitters. That rule changed last year. I'm all for it. Why? Because George Will wrote a dang book. And some of the old farts stuck to that book. Because it praised Tony La Russa so stinking much. Honestly, that, that, that's where that mindset came from, that you leveraged your bullpen by rotating on every hitter as needed. You're taking guys out of a flow. You're, uh, anyway, there's all kinds of critiques to it. The point being, the guys that believe that, they're the ones that have been running baseball up until this point. The ones that have allowed for youth and for new ideas – Yes, even some cheating ideas in the case of the Houston Astros. They're the ones that are winning. Thankfully, the Royals appear to be in the, headed in the right direction with their pitching staff. Fingers crossed. We continue on the game next with Chris Vanini from The Athletic talking streaming, not as a panacea, but just as, well, what it is, streaming.
continuing on the game. Troy Coverdale flying solo this afternoon. Mitch Fortner will be back on Monday for Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson. K-State baseball tomorrow against LSU takes uh, up our time tomorrow afternoon. That's all right. We'll take an early Friday around here. Listen to some baseball. Joined on the phone line by Chris Vanini, senior college football writer at The Athletic. He yesterday penned an article, Streaming Won't Save College Football as We Know It Because It's Not Saving TV. Chris, thank you. Some of us have been saying this for a while. The The obvious reasons, uh, you know, as much as people want to talk up, hey, this is the, the thing of the future, it, it's not panning out that way when it comes to rights fees and the like. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, this is something I had thought about writing even back in the fall. It's just kind of as I was navigating, watching many different games on a Saturday and realizing that this is not a great setup, you know, paying attention to the larger business world of things and realizing that the business of these things is not going well yet at this point. And then we get the, you know, the, the, the news yesterday from the New York Post that Pac-12 is talking with Apple TV as a potential partner, potentially to take over all the Pac-12. And so I just kind of put this piece together to say, look, going all streaming is not a good answer for the Pac-12 for many different reasons. Um, but also in the larger picture, uh, the, the money that may be available for these rights is maybe probably not going to be the same as it has been unless you're one of those top sports leagues or the SEC or the Big Ten. We're starting essentially to see it winnow out, if you will. And the SEC, the Big Ten they wound up being ahead of the game in that aspect, that they were able to gain the big rights fees, and it leaves everybody else trying to pick up the pieces with what's going to be left because the marketplace is changing quickly. Yes, and there was, you know, there was a comment from uh, Disney CEO Bob Iger in an earnings call a couple weeks ago saying, you know, he said, we want to keep the NBA but we're going to have to start to be more selective when it comes to rights that we purchase or we don't purchase. Fox, which is currently a partner of the Pac-12, decided not, has shown little to no interest really in continuing with the Pac-12. So you're starting to run out of room a bit. And even the Big 12 deal, while it was an increase from what it was, it was clearly below market value because they didn't take it to market. You know, they said, we'll redo it with ESPN and Fox. We'll get ahead, do it sooner. Less than we could have made, but we're going to have it done. We're going to have some security there. So that's another kind of sign of, of, of where things are, because they know that what may be out there is not the same. And we haven't seen Amazon and Apple jump in fully, uh, only under unique circumstances. The Amazon, Amazon went big on the NFL because it's the NFL. You know, like, like everybody wants a piece of the NFL. Apple dipped its toes into baseball, uh, and it also bought all of MLS. You know, like, like that's it, it's kind of that's kind of what they're looking at. So they're not going to overspend just to do it. Those companies are generally not uh, wasting money on stuff like that. In Amazon's case, they even have gotten involved in some other areas research-wise with universities. Apple has not dabbled in that. Now, apparently, that was part of uh, the discussion, maybe with this Pac-12 deal if it goes through, but. They're behind the eight ball if they even want to do it. It it almost comes off as a as a half hearted offer. Yeah, you know, I, I remember that report about you know the possibility of Amazon teaming up with universities. I, I don't know all the details exactly of what that is, but 
you know, there's Delta Bear reports that Amazon only wants one Pac-12 game a week. So in which case, what do you do with all this extra content? I, like, I do think it makes sense for the Pac-12 to move the former Pac-12 network stuff onto streaming because right now barely anybody gets the Pac-12 network. If you move it onto streaming, theoretically more people will be able to see it. Maybe they won't pay, but they'll be able to see it. If there's a big game on the Pac-12 network like there was a small, I couldn't do anything to watch it mm-hmm. unless I wanted to buy a whole other special cable package or find some illegal stream somewhere. So, like, if, if I have Apple Plus and I knew it was on, it'd be easier to turn it on. So, I, like, I'm not saying the Pac-12 shouldn't do anything in streaming. I think it makes sense. The Big Ten is putting basketball on Peacock, you know, moving forward. So, it, it's there. It's just, I don't think, I don't think the streaming services are going to come in and be the saviors and just throw gobs of cash at these sports leagues anymore, unless you're the biggest leagues, the ones that, you know, draw a lot of fans. And, in fact, having had experience doing play-by-play in the Big Sky Conference, I know how streaming for them is important. It became important even as a freebie offer. They built it to something where they wound up on Pluto for a time and then parlayed that into an ESPN Plus opportunity that has included a couple of games in football and a couple in basketball season on ESPNU. Otherwise, it's a streaming-only package for them. But that works for them the Power Five conferences, it's not a feasible way to go forward, but they find themselves in that same spot where even Major League Baseball now sits in that there's not an easy way to put all of this together. Yeah, and, you know, FCS, you know, it, it, some of them have local TV deals as well, but, but in terms of nationally, low sports, Pluto, whatever it is, like it's something. A lot of them like ESPN+, Plus, and you've seen some of the Group of Five conferences, uh, jump into ESPN Plus because then you're at least under the ESPN banner there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of games on ESPN, ESPN Plus. So if, if you go to the ESPN website, like you can find a lot of stuff. It, 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 it'd be a little bit different if you were going on to Apple TV and you're the only thing there. Like people have to go out of out of their way to find you. And, you know, Conference USA for the last number of years it has had deals with Stadium for streaming, which is free. You just got to go to the stadium website to watch it. But they had big big games in their conference that nobody watched because nobody kind of knew what it was. They made their new TV deal in the fall, and they've gone back to ESPN. And there would be a lot of ESPN Plus and they're putting stuff on new week games, but they wanted to be with ESPN because at least that's what people know college football is. As we go forward, and even with ESPN looking at how its right fees break down, are we getting to a point where we're start going to start seeing some of this even filter back to, and I know people don't believe me when I ask this, over-the-air television? Um, probably, well, it depends. Like, if you're YouTube TV, if you're Sling, that's technically considered cord cutting, but I don't consider it that. It's got some fancy name with a bunch of... Some bunch of letters and some acronyms. Uh, that that, but it is basically a cable bundle. You're buying a bundle of channels, and that's something. Fox is basically the only one of these major companies that didn't jump into standalone streaming. You can stream Fox on their own, you know, their Fox app if you have a cable subscription or something like that. But they they have decided they felt it wasn't worth losing billions of dollars like NBC and Disney and CBS are doing uh, on their standalone streaming platforms. They've just stuck with what they are doing, and they've said, hey, you know, like being on YouTube TV helps, being on, on, on these other things helps. Maybe something comes there. YouTube TV 
just got, you know, NFL Sunday ticket, you know, coming up soon. So uh, I don't think it's going to, it's not going I don't think it's going to go back up. I do think the number is generally still going to be going down. Specific cable companies is dropping fast. But if you include YouTube TV, Sling, and all of them, people who are still have a pay TV bundle, it's not falling nearly as fast as, as people think. And there still is a lot of money to be made there, which is why, you know, uh, they, they, it's still important to be and, and have a linear TV product. At the end of the day, it's still going to be confusing, isn't it? Yeah, we're in this middle ground now where a lot of companies jumped all into streaming because streaming's the future, that's where we're going. And then a few years later, oh no, we're losing billions of dollars <laughs> on these things and we haven't gotten profitable yet. And so it's not, it's not a clean break. It's not like, all right, TV's off, everything's on streaming now, go. And, and like we, we make it up there. So sports fans are in the spot where they maybe have to pay more than they used to to watch everything they used to get. You know, there, there are more games available than ever before. That is a positive. But SEC games have gone on to ESPN Plus and Big 12, and you've got a Notre Dame game on Peacock, uh, Apple for Apple TV for baseball, and suddenly, like, you used to have all the games. Now you've got it's forcing fans to have a hand in both of them. And that's been, uh, I think that's frustrating for everybody. The one that has the biggest reaction constantly to us is when it is a isolated game in conference, whether it's you know, K-State, anyone else in the conference, say a K-State KU basketball game. That that played out so poorly in that it was an ESPN Plus only broadcast this year. And it frustrated everybody. And, and, and K-State fans especially will yell and holler about that because it angers them so much. Yeah, it's just it's different. People have different setups. I mean, I have a Roku-based TV where mm-hmm. like I have YouTube TV on there and I go into that and that's how I watch most of my live stuff. But if there's a game on ESPN Plus, I can pull it up on my TV pretty easily. But not everybody can do that, knows how to do that, pays to do that. And, and so that's where you're kind of in the spot where everybody has both. But if you're the Big 12, if you're these conferences that are not the Big 10 or the SEC, you know, they want to, ESPN is going to want to put more uh, money into ESPN Plus and put more games on there. And if you're a conference like the Big 12 that desperately wants to stay with ESPN, uh, sometimes you have to give that up. (sighs) Like I said, it's not going to get any easier. Chris, thank you. I look forward to continuing to read your work at The Athletic. Yep, thanks for having me. Chris Vanini, senior college football writer with The Athletic on, yeah, it's going to continue to be a muddled mess trying to figure out streaming versus cable versus and where the rights are going to go and any of that. Welcome to... Well, can't call it cutting edge at this point. What, corporatism morass at this point? Is that probably the best way to put it? Coming back. Song of the day, next. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who gon' this town tonight. You're not gonna laugh at me too hard for inadvertently putting it Beyonce with Jay-Z on this, are you? I was I was thinking that when I saw that. I was like, that's not Beyonce, this is Rihanna. That's what I get for writing on the fly on my note sheet. I mean there's plenty of songs we're there together too, so it's okay. Hey, boy. Embarrassing. 
especially for a song that went all the way to number two. Two million in paid downloads by early January 2010 after it debuted in September of 2009. Rihanna, Jay-Z, Run This Town. In fact, made its debut on July 24th, 2009 at 9-11. Why? Well, because the album then was released on September 11th, 2009. He had a few albums that were released on September 11th, for whatever reason. It was Rihanna's first appearance following her February altercation with her then-ex-boyfriend Chris Brown that year. So a big return for Rihanna at that point. An important return at that point. Now, the music scene at this time was just like a different world compared to now, to me. Maybe it's because I was younger, but man. It's a valid point. Went on to win the Grammy for Best Rap Song, Best Rap Sung Collaboration as well. Yeah, one of Kanye's 23 Grammys, what he has. One verse. Ye penned all of one verse on the song. I think he might have had something to do with the production, too, but I'm not sure. Yeah, a little, but the the point being is that he was limited in, in the grand scheme of things. It was, by that point, just a salutation by Jay-Z to include him on it. <laughs> of course, the big part of it being Rihanna, who Jay-Z signed to Def Jam in 05. He left the label in 07 after guesting on Umbrella. After 2013, her contract was fulfilled. She then signed with Rock Nation. Go figure. And in 2014, CBS Sports had teased that their Thursday night football production would include a Don Cheadle-voiced narrative ahead of each game as they determined exactly who will run this town. Well, it hit a hiccup. Guess what the first game that year was on Thursday Night Football? Pittsburgh, Baltimore. Baltimore had the issue of one Ray Rice being an abusive on video. Literally, the offseason had seen him suspended by the league for punching his fiancée in an elevator, and it was seen on video, and Rice was suspended indefinitely, and because of sensitivities regarding Rihanna's situation with Chris Brown, CBS pulled the song from the Season opener. Lord. Jay-Z and Rihanna then pulled the plug on it for the rest of the year. Because they were upset. Holy smokes. Sometimes you've got to fight your battles where you can. Sometimes don't overthink them. Right. CBS overthought that one. 
a little bit. They actually, um, they were using this song as a lot of promo for Rihanna's big game performance. Yes. As well. Yes. Going back to Barbados, her hometown, and showing like clips of it and people listening to it. But that was the league handling all of that, not the networks. Second single from the Blueprint 3. Reached number two in October 09, held back by... I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. Giant song. The next single from Blueprint 3 would reach number one, by the way. Also had a standout vocalist on it. Your guess? Alicia Keys. Empire State of Mind, exactly. This was like the last album where Jay-Z was literally... I don't know... Relevant in terms of pop culture. Because he's still relevant, but he's not like where he was. This is when he was still like the most respected MC. He was still in the game. Right. He's moved on to be more of the management type right, right. now, as opposed to being on the mic. Right. Even though the album he did with Kanye after this is like, which was like a year or two after this, was very successful and very good as well. But just as a solo artist, this was like the end of his reign as like the king of New York rapper, you know? And honestly, if you're married to Beyonce, it's not bad being in the management role. Right. <laughs> Make your own hours. I wonder I wonder how this new Beyonce tour, what he's going to do throughout it. That's a great question. Is he going to go with her and hang out? Or he's going to work on that new... Um, casino that's going to be in Times Square for the next few years. If she's smart, she mandates that he travels with her. <laughs> Wait, did I say that? I mean, we already know of their yeah, uh -huh. issues because of the Lemonade album, so... <laughs> Schmuck. It takes all kinds, man. It takes all kinds. You want to hit me with that Ask Us Anything? No, no, we've got just a moment or two. Yeah, I got hey. about a minute, so let's... Uh, Go ahead and just let this roll, but ask. Okay. Um. What thing from your childhood do you still enjoy to this day? Watching baseball. There you go. That, that's a that's a big one. Even when the Royals take my enjoyment away from it, sometimes. Right. But it's you know, it's the ups and downs that makes it you know even more redeeming when it's up again. That's right. one way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> you don't like to see your team struggle, but you can at least, you know, when it's when they come back, it's going to be a big thing and everyone's going to be super into it. Listen, I have called so much bad football over the years. I, I would like to see my teams pick a, as many wins as they can, all right? Right. No, I get it. I've had three winless seasons in my career, for crying out loud. <laughs> part of what makes it fun sitting in the press box now here oh boy all right we're off tomorrow k-state baseball against number one lsu tomorrow afternoon the great brian smoller on the microphone coverage begins at 1 30 
Mitch is back with Wildcat Insider Monday afternoon at 4. Wyatt Thompson, of course, to join him as we talk about the Cats on Monday. Have a great weekend, folks. Sir.